what was so you say you've been in tech about a year now so what was the moment in time he was like nah this is it this is the last type of role I work like this and I'm going to be in tech so going back to kind of where I was when I was living with my mom I, I was literally sleeping on her living room floor for like three months trying to figure things out the work environment was just terrible micromanaging nit, you know nitpicking at everything and I was one of their best reps and I just got there one day I came into work and they pulled that stuff again where they gave me a bunch of work I didn't have any help you know to um because it was just something I never done before and I didn't have any help and I was like yeah I'm tired of this. I literally closed my laptop I logged out I packed my bags and I walked out I called the lady who um she was like the kind of I guess the recruiter for the role and I let her know I said hey I'm not coming back that first 90 days was just amazing because it was like man I can sleep in a little bit more or I can actually take care of myself better and get up and go to the gym and work out have a decent graphics I'm not like rushing because I gotta beat traffic are you interested in starting your career in the cloud well if that's you then I got some for you level up in tech is a comprehensive 24-week program guaranteed to help you land a high-paying role in the cloud some of the skills that they teach you in level up in tech are server config and troubleshooting, AWS, infrastructure as code, CI, CD, scripting, containerization, and more. Level Up in Tech has helped over 800 people start their career in the cloud. So if you're interested in the program, click the link in my bio, click under Tech Resources, and click on Start Your Cloud Career. How's it going, Taylor? It's going pretty good. How's everything for you? busy uh, as you can see <laughs> she can tell you right now like doing this in person it's about an hour 30 minutes just to get set up so we finna it's a go whole different and, beast right but one of my icebreakers was let me read it because i didn't memorize it but i want to ask you if you can go to any of your favorite gospel artist concert like who would it be man honestly i don't know if i have a favorite gospel artist <laughs> Or any artist of that. I just said that because uh, I seen you at your conference, so I was like, I want to tie it into something. Uh, it'll probably be, probably be Bruno Mars. You know what? I actually want to see Bruno. I want to see him in a uh, concert. I want to see Bruno, and then I think NSYNC is going on a reunion tour, so I want to see NSYNC. I'm gonna be in there because that's yeah. what I grew up on. NSYNC. I've seen Usher, so I got to see Usher. I just saw yeah. Drake. I got to see Drake. I want to see the Dream. I want to see. I was supposed to see Ty Dolla Sign this past Thursday, and there's some other people I want to see. Kendrick Lamar. I've seen J Cole. Yeah, yeah. I like. I like. You know. Um, I like Bruno because he kind of reminds me of how things were, like in the '80s, where they had an actual band and everything like that. And so I like that kind of vibe. And so that's why I'm like, I I wouldn't mind seeing Bruno in person. I think most of the R&B guys have, like, killer bands live. Like, uh, that's one of the reasons why, outside of NSYNC, I want to see Justin Timberlake live, too. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorites. So, uh, that's definitely cool. Yeah. But, let's welcome everybody in. Let me get some gunshots real quick. <laughs> welcome back to the Textual Talk Podcast, where I'm your host, HD. This is episode 103, and we got our lovely guest, Taylor Nicole, with us today. And she's going to rock out with us. But if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a review. Share it out so we can get in the algorithm for the audio downloads. And if you're on YouTube, you know what to do. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the bell icon. Select all for all notifications. And, yeah, man, we're ready just to go ahead and have some good conversations and just, you know, vibe out. But, so, 
we got to meet at Mixer Cloud. Yeah. And I came there actually for this very purpose, just to meet people that I could possibly have on the show yeah. in person. And it was funny. I think I knew I kind of recognized your face, but I didn't really know you. But uh, Kenzie did. She was like, oh, that's, that's, that's. I was like, who is this? <laughs> that's why I, you probably don't remember what I asked you. I said, hey, are you famous? Because the way she was kind of yeah. fangirling out a little bit. So when I said that to you, he was like, oh, no. And then we just started talking a little bit. And I believe we connected again on LinkedIn. And then that's when we, you know, made everything happen. But yeah. for our listeners and our watchers, could you just briefly introduce yourself? Yeah. So, yeah, my name is Taylor Nicole. Um, I'm currently uh, in, in tech sales. Uh, broke into the tech field last year almost like a, a year from um, today. So um, I've been in tech sales for a year now. Um, I also am a content creator. And so that's probably why where she recognized me from, probably either from my Instagram. For some reason, I've been getting a lot of people who recognize me from LinkedIn, even though I barely post on LinkedIn these days. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's what I do. Um, tech in the day, content creating at night. I also did a little did a little bit of life coaching. I don't do it anymore, but um, also a little bit of life coaching as well. Nice. And we may touch on some of the content stuff and the life coaching thing just to see how it kind of ties into what you do now. Yeah. But before we get into you getting into tech sales, I kind of want to talk about you in a sense, you know, where you're from, high school, right after high school, if you did any college, or kind of like those transitional periods that we have in our life before we really decide on like what we want to do. So a little yeah. bit about like, kind of like your background. Yeah, so um, just a little bit about my background. So I don't have like any, I don't have a college degree or anything like that. I did go to college, but I never finished. So I guess technically I'm a college dropout. Um, <laughs> but um, my background is uh, really I've been mainly working professionally in like customer service roles. Um, I did. I did spend a little bit of time in the in the military, um, and from the military, I uh, after I transitioned out of the military, I actually I was running a, a trucking business, um, and then that went bad. And then um, I started kind of really trying to figure out how you know what I was going to do next, and. Um, Eventually, you know, I really started looking into getting into the tech industry. Um, but, yeah, I've had a few few <laughs> things. I've done a lot in a short period of time. So from the trucking business to, like, doing life coaching and then ultimately deciding that I want to get into the tech field and then also deciding I also like creating content. And so um, I got a little bit of everything in my background. It's kind of very – when I tell people everything I've done, they're like, um, how, like, how is that possible? You've done so many things in such a short period of time, but it's just, I think just a part of me trying to figure myself out and see where I fit in the world. And, you know, just, you know, what I ultimately, you know, would like to do, um, for, you know, for the rest of my life or just, you know, how I want to leave my footprint here on the earth. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of, a <laughs> kind of messy, but it's, I mean, know, it's cool. I mean, You've lived life. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Lived life. And I always try to get so much background or what they've been through when we come on the show because I'm always trying to 
maybe I, this doesn't. Maybe the show is not supposed to appeal to everybody, but there's going to yeah. be somebody out there that sees this and says, "This is my story." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is true. Um, you know, I think for for me, what ultimately got me here is just you know, like I said, I was running a trucking business. Um, I was I was married at the time, got divorced, so obviously you know we run that business together. So that kind of um, we kind of have to, you know, shut that down. And, um, I mean, you know, I was in a, I was in a place where I was kind of really starting my whole life over where, um, you know, I was just like, I didn't have anything. I lost like car got repoed. I was like, I don't know if I'm can even afford to keep the place I'm in right now. Um, and so ultimately, you know, I mean, I, I was able to stay afloat for a little bit, but then it just got to a point where I ended up having to like move back home. And I was like, hey, mom, I don't think I can afford to stay here anymore. Rent is raising. My job ain't ain't paying me enough to, you know, keep up with the price of living out here. Um, and I think it was during that time uh, where I was like, like, I have to make a move. I have to pivot. I have to do something. And it has to be something that's going to, you know, like, it, it's like, this is going to be a very important decision for me um, to really figure out what am I going to do next? Because it's going to really either make or break my situation at this point. Um, and so that's when I really got serious about getting into tech. Um, you know, I always kind of wanted to get into tech and, you know, I first heard about it in high school. Um, but for whatever reason, I just never got around to really digging into getting to know what, you know, what the possibilities are in this field and really, you know, understanding it. Um, but, you know, I guess it's, it's kind of like um, uh, a surreal moment, you know, when I kind of was kind of like at a really low point in my life where I was like, okay, I really need to get serious about this tech thing because I think that's where that's, there's something to that. And I think, I think that's, you know, where I'm going to see some success. Wow. I like that. It reminded me of a lot of things. I instantly went to, you're talking about moving back in home, with your parents kind of reset. I thought about prodigal son just coming back home and his dad wrapping them up and going to get the fattest calf and really just saying, I'm always going to be here for you. And I think that's essential for parents to, to do for us. Like at the end of the day, yeah. we're still their children and we're yeah. living life. They hadn't always made the best decisions, just like they know we want. And yeah. it's just, a, it's a part of our growth. And then I like the fact that, I was listening. I was like, it's funny how every time when it comes to growth, most of the time it's come from an uncomfortable position. And that's also with life. And then if you want to make it simpler, when you're working out in the gym, it doesn't feel good. Your muscles are hurting and breaking or you're running or whatever you're doing is don't feel good. But when you get that rest and your muscles break down and they come back stronger. So in life, we, we come back stronger when we go through these trials and tribulations. And that's what it's about. Life ain't about, you know, if you can get hit, it's about what you do when you get up after you got hit. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. It definitely, it definitely toughened me up, you know, even more, you know, like um, I think that just me, you know, I think also too, we go, we make decisions and we do certain things and, um, sometimes those experiences, we don't really consciously, you know, uh, have a understanding of why we may have chose that route. Um, but it ends up coming in play later on in life. Like, 
with, you know, me being in the military. Um, that was my first time ever being away from home. I was the first person in my family to decide to do that. And um, it was something you definitely have to have thick skin, you know, going to the military because, um, you know, there is really no excuses. You don't get to, you know, slack off and things like that. And you do have to be disciplined. And so that experience, I didn't really have a clear understanding of why I chose that route. Um, besides the fact I just didn't really know what to do. And I definitely, uh, didn't want to get in debt trying to go to college. Um, and so then it, you know, going through this, I'm like, you know, I kind of have that mental toughness a little bit to kind of like, okay, this is a situation, it sucks, but you know, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this thing out and something, something is going to fall through. Cool. Briefly, I actually want to touch on a brief part, I guess, like your military background, far as I guess maybe what branch you were in. Also, two other things is how was it being a black woman in the military? And for a lot of high school graduates who feel like they don't know what to do, do you feel like that's a good route for them to go to? Because I've seen as well as black people, like a lot of times I feel like they're real when they try to recruit, they'll try to recruit black people, especially single parent home, no money, just trying to get them out of there and sell them a lot of dreams, right? But sometimes these people don't know anyone that's been in the military, so they don't know how to use the military for their advantage. And sometimes they leave worse than when they went in sometimes, and then sometimes it works well if they had a plan on what they want to do. So I kind of want you to briefly touch on that because I think you've been the first person in the wild that's with the military background that's been on here. I just kind of wanted to get your account of how you felt uh, being a woman, a black woman at that in the military. Yeah. So, um, so I was in the the army, um, stationed out in Fort Bragg. Um, the job that I did, I was working with missiles. So basically my job was to make sure the missiles work, make sure that they were always, they were, you know, ready to work. And if anything, you know, they needed maintenance and things like that. And so, um, for me, as for as being a black woman in the military, um, I would say it it depends on what you decide to do in the military. Um, there's always going to be people in wherever you go that um, they are just not good people, um, and so I don't think that me being a black woman in the military was a bad thing, or that it just it really just messed up my experience or anything like that um I would say for for the most part it depends on the the unit you get stationed in the people you're surrounded by their mindset um because you know just because one person has a bad experience doesn't mean the whole army is bad or all of the military is just a bad place to be uh it it does really depends um and also it is it is on you to you know make the best of of it you know on, on your part as well um as far as like my my advice for people who would, you know, maybe they're they're thinking about going that route, I would say definitely go in with a plan because that is the best way to be able to leverage your experience in the military. I would say my my mistake that I made in the military was not was not getting the exact job that I wanted. Um, in the military just because at the time it wasn't available and I was gonna have to wait a long time and I was being impatient, so I just kind of pick something right and so um, I would say you know especially if you want to get into tech it'll be a good 
thing to go and get your, maybe you want to get a computer science degree or information technology, they're going to pay for it. It's going to be free. And then on top of that, you know, you still have your GI Bill. So if you want to get a master's or whatever, you still be able to do that when you get out. Um, and then also um, being able to, to, you know, build up skills that's going to help you transition into the civilian sector because some people use the military as a like kind of a safety net oh well I don't know what I want to do in this world I don't want to deal with the market I don't want to deal with layoffs so uh, you know I'm just going to go into the military because it's a safe thing to do but you know you can get hurt and then if you get hurt they can kick you out involuntarily like you know that's happened to a lot of people where they got injured and then they're like yeah we can't keep you here you have to go so you're forced to deal with the world and so I will say that just build up as many skills as you can, um, have an idea of what you want to do when you get out so that, you know, um, it'll be a smooth transition for you and, you know, you can get out and, and, you know, not, not be like how some people are, some, some veterans are where they're, they end up being homeless or and things like that. Cause they just didn't have that plan figured out. Um, and so take, take advantage of every benefit that they offer you and, and leverage that to create the life that you want. I know some people will be blessed by that. So thank you for that. Yeah. I went through your LinkedIn and I saw you had an extensive customer service background. So I wanted to ask you, were you doing customer service in retail? Was it over the phone? How, what were what type of customer service were you doing and how were you able to do it for so long? Yeah. So for me, um, so I was doing customer service. It was mainly over the phone. Um, so one of the first companies I, I did it for was, was Cushman Wakefield. Um, they actually, I was actually working at the Toyota headquarters out in Plano. Okay. And so their, uh, Cushman and Wakefield is a, um, they're a commercial retail management company. So they help manage these big facilities that, you know, these hit these, uh, fortune 500 companies buy. And so, or build. And so um, they had a contract with Toyota. And so my job was to help to really facilitate and court, um, coordinate facility services so that, you know, um, the people who worked there on campus, you know, were getting everything they needed. So, you know, if there were things that were broken, they will report it to me and say, hey, such and such bathroom is broken. And I would then coordinate for the maintenance person or if there's an issue with you know trash or something like that or landscaping or even um they would have a lot of events there and so you have a lot of um you know executives and things like that where they're planning events and so I have to you know step in and make sure that they're uh, not doing anything that's going to cause damage to the property and and you know, making sure that everything is, is set up in a, you know, um, in, it's in compliance with, you know, what's allowed to be done in the room. And so, um, yeah, I did that. And then my second um, customer, customer service experience uh, more, more recently was with, um, with Honda um, Financial. And basically I was just helping to make sure that um, – uh, taking care of customers who were like trying to pay off their car loans or or make payments or they were having issues with their accounts and so that was um, you know mainly what I was doing at um, there for customer service um, 
I forgot the second half of the, qu- of the question. <laughs> it's just how you were able to maintain doing this so long. But from what I just gleaned from your customer service experience, it kind of wasn't just the typical customer service. Like I was like, I was like, if I was doing Taylor re- resume, and she told me about the job she had for Cushman and Wakefield, I probably would have said executive program director or manager liaison or something. I would have finessed it because it doesn't seem like customer service. Yeah. And the only reason I'm hitting at that for whoever's listening and watching is your job titles on your resume matter. So if you can spark some intrigue and your title is similar to some of the other high paying roles out there, it's probably fair better than using a role that sometimes they may deem like a role that doesn't take as much skill level. So I even do that with my, my help desk clients. Sometimes they do help desk, but they're doing system administrator type of work or they're doing identity and access management type of work. So sometimes I'll change their title because what they did in their job duties fit that. So that's why I was like, I really think they was just getting over calling you customer service because it's like you did yeah. much more than that. Yeah, I, I I definitely did. I was I was more than that. And that was something that we went back and forth on when I actually worked there. I was like, this doesn't, this is not just customer service. I'm doing more, but that's the title they they uh they get they had for it and so um but yeah I definitely changed things up on my on my resume to to fit whatever job I'm going to uh, or whatever job I want because I mean it's not for me is I don't believe it's lying or anything if you're at if you've actually done that and that's what you actually did um why not you know highlight that yeah I, I definitely agree and uh speaking of what did roles like that pay, like customer service roles? What was like that range that they, they paid those those type of roles? Yeah, so for both roles, I think it was like 20. I was getting paid like $20 an hour to to do it. Um, and so that obviously, uh, especially today, you can't really live off of that. Right. And so that was obviously a big motivator for me, you know, trying to figure out um, – how to get to to a higher you know paying position uh where i can actually not just survive and get bills paid but like you know actually do things that i want to do yeah definitely and funny thing is uh most people and if we go in the black community we'll look at like you know our medium income it's around that 15 20 an hour range so sometimes if you tell somebody i'm getting 20 an hour they might say, oh, girl, where you work? <laughs> you know I'm telling you the yeah. truth. Yeah, you'll tell them that. And then you're like, you know, and when you're doing a job, it's like, first of all, I should be getting paid way more. And this is not a lot. Because you still have people that's making $10 an hour, $13 an hour, $15 an hour in 2023. Yeah, it's true. And so these jobs do their market research knowing that, hey, they're going to take this because this is the most money they made. When I worked in Bossier City, I was getting 20 an hour. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that was good for the area, but I know for a fact that was making way more off of me, and my job deserved at least 30, 35 an hour. Right. But all the people that was there, they was comfortable with it. I used to try to go on strike and everything because that job required a, a clearance. So I was like, they can't just fire us. Like, if we say, hey, we're not taking calls for an hour, all the SLA is going to be messed up. They're going to have to give us what we want. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've I've done that. I think I – think um, I actually had quit a job. It was like a temp job and they had, you know, they were doing the same thing. They put a title on there that I'm like, this is not, this ain't it. This is like, I'm doing way more than what you guys are trying to call it. 
um, and they wanted to hire me on. It was a contract position. They wanted me hire hire me on full time, and I was like, no. I'm like, I'm not, I need like at least a, a $3 raise, which still wouldn't have been much. But, you know, I'm just like, if I try to push it even further, they're probably they're definitely going to say no. Um, but, yeah, they were like, no. Um, they came back with a counter offer, like, we give you a 50 cent raise. I was like, that's like, you might as well just gave me the middle finger. <laughs> you might as well just gave me middle finger. So, um, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And it sucked because I was like, I really didn't need the money. But I was just like, no, I'm, I'm tired of like, getting these low paying jobs and getting overworked. I'm like, I, I want to get paid what I should be getting paid. Yeah. Funny thing that you said that that reminded me of that same job in Bossier when I was, I started off as a, a contractor and then they brought me on full time for the company and I didn't sign to switch over right away. Cause I was like, nah, I got all this and that. I want to make like what 40 K or whatever. So they found the cheapest way possible to make me to pay me 40 K. And then that's when I realized it ain't about what you worth. It's about what you negotiate. And I was like, I could have played ball and asked for more and possibly got a little bit more. But because I said I wanted $40,000, they said, okay, we'll give you exactly that. Mm-hmm. And I learned that. But to segue into to the good stuff, and I was thinking about, and that's probably a little bit of your answer to this question, but I was going to say, what was that moment that you were sick and tired of being sick and tired? What was that moment? He's like, you know what? I'm finna go all in on this. I, I see everybody. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit funny right here, but. I see everybody there. They're working from home in the, the hotels. They're overseas. They're right. doing this and that. They got nice cars. They're living in one. They got a beautiful family. Like, because I, I know people have been seeing this over the last three, four years about people in tech. I mean, that's not the type of content I do because my roles aren't that easy to get into. And it takes like some work. Mm-hmm. So that's not the type of content I push, but I, I see it out there. Yeah. And I do know that you can do this based on having a salary that actually allows you, like you said, to live and to thrive in life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What was so you say you've been in tech about a year now. So what was the moment in time? He's like, nah, this is it. This is the last type of role. I work like this and I'm going to be in tech. soon. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so. Going back to kind of where I was when I was living with my mom, I, I was literally sleeping on her living room floor for like three months trying to figure things out. Um, decided I was going to move back out here to Texas because I'm like, you know, cause my mom stays in Michigan, by the way. Um, and I was like, I'm, I drove all the way back down here to Texas. <clears throat> no job, nowhere to stay. I was renting out an Airbnb. <laughs> um, and um, I just got a job like right before I came here. Like I just accepted a position like right before I came here. Um, as soon as I got here, I started my first day, um, was working for about a couple of months or so. Um, but like, like I said, it was one of those customer service positions where it was actually Honda, you know, they weren't paying that much, like $20 an hour. They, Oh, you get hired in, you get $22. And they were like really acting really snobby about that too. And I'm like, that's not even a lot of money. Like that's not a treat. Um, but yeah, so, uh, it, you know, I, I, at the, when I was at the actual company and stuff, when I was actually working, you know, the work environment was just terrible, micromanaging, you know, nitpicking at everything. And I was one of their best reps and I just got there like one of their best reps. And, um, nitpicking at me about every little thing, giving me a bunch of extra work that, you know, I'm not even supposed to be doing. Um, and then one day, 
um, I got like, I just was like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm tired of this. Like, I'm really like, I don't want to work at these kind of jobs anymore. Um, and I got like a notification on my phone uh, about Lyft. Um, and it was like, if you drive this weekend, if you sign up and complete like five rides this weekend, you get a thousand dollars just for the weekend. And my, something like in my mind just clicked off, like I should quit this job, do this lift, use that money to pay my bills for the month, complete this boot camp and transfer into tech. Like I was just like, I played, I played with the idea for a little while, but then one day I came into work and they pulled that stuff again, where they gave me a bunch of work. I didn't have any help, you know, to, um, cause it was just something I'd never done before. And I didn't have any help. And I was just like, yeah, I'm tired of this. I literally closed my laptop. I logged out. I packed my bags and I walked out. I called the lady who, um, she was like the kind of, I guess the recruiter for the role. And I let her know, I said, Hey, I'm not coming back. I left the laptop and everything on the desk. Um, if you, I told her, I said, if you have something else available with flexible hours, I'll take it. But I'm like, I'm not coming. I'm not working here anymore. And, um, that was that. And so I literally, I was, um, started lift that weekend and here's the thing too and this was more like you know on some spiritual stuff but um literally right before I was about to start lift I got sick I now I haven't gotten sick I don't really get sick like that but I got like one of the worst colds ever and I was like bedridden like I could not get out out of bed so Friday passed and I'm like man I really need to get out and complete these five rides I really need that a thousand I really need that thousand dollars I was, I couldn't get out of bed. Sunday came and I couldn't get out of bed. I, I mean, Saturday came and I couldn't get out of bed. Um, Sunday afternoon, I got just good enough to actually get out the bed and be able to complete the five rides so I can get the thousand dollars and have my bills covered for that month. Um, while I was working though, I was taking the boot camp, And so I took the boot camp while I was working for like four weeks. I quit my um, job and was finishing up everything while I was doing lift. And then I started doing my job hunting. Um, and then six weeks later, I, you know, landed my first position in, in uh, the tech field. Nice. So for y'all that's listening, when she says boot camp, that was uh, course careers, right? Yes, that was course careers. Yes. Right. And uh, I wanted to say that so they could see, they see that I, I post about it's pinned to all my comments. And so, I, guys, I have somebody here who's did the tech sales course. In course careers, and that's one of the main reasons that I also brought her on. And I briefly want to ask you, how do you think course careers actually set you up for success in your first role? And how hard was the program? So um, it wasn't really hard. Um, I believe it set me up just because it it helped me to understand what what the role was in the first place. And so by me understanding that um, – I was able to go into my interviews, you know, with the understanding of what these employers are going to be looking for, um, understanding their language when they say certain things, uh, like, you know, they say something about a sales cycle. Well, you know, if you don't have that information about what a sales cycle is. You're going to be looking like, OK, I don't I don't really know what that is. So, um, yeah, it, it really it really set me up to kind of just have that understanding and also 
you know, if they provided a lot of good resources like, you know, email templates for you to reach out to recruiters, uh, how to answer certain interview questions. This is, you know, stuff that's all in the course. Um, and then, you know, I think one of the most valuable parts of course careers um, when I was there was just the community that they have um, with the discord and you you're able to interact with other people who are taking a course and see what's working for them and ask them questions. They're able to ask you questions and you're kind of able to just help each other out in this process of trying to make that transition. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's, you know, I think that was the thing that really, you know, helped me out with being able to make that pivot into tech sales. That's dope. Now, you know, we got to ask you this, you know, I got to ask you this (laughs) money. Cause look, we all grown. Nobody's doing something just because they want to like it. We got to yeah. have money. Yeah. So you stated you're pretty much making around like 20 hour at Honda Financial. What was that first offer for your first tech sales role? The first offer. Um, so for this role, it's so for this role, it's around 75,000 OTE for my for my first role. For now, I did have an interview offer. Not it didn't offer; it was an interview. So my first company that I ever interviewed with, the um, the offer was like ninety k OTE. So for anybody who doesn't know, OTE is um, on target earnings when it's split by your base pay and then your commission. And so um, I believe the first one was like um, a sixty forty split. And then for this role, it's like a 70-30 split. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's more than what I was making, obviously, with uh, with Honda Financial or any of my other roles. Because $20 an hour, was that, like, just under 40000 a year? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, to get, a like, a $35,000 pay bump um, in six weeks is... I mean, it's a significant change. And then to be able to have the potential to go on to six-figure roles, that's even better, um, especially, you know, in such a short period of time. Yeah, I agree. And I'm asking these questions because a lot of times, sometimes people need a little bit of pump and prime to convince themselves to invest in themselves. Yeah. We have so much of, oh, you can – I'm for, like, you can use free stuff, but sometimes – Whatever you invest in is kind of what your results are. A lot of people can't do this stuff for free. A lot of people need something structured or a mentor or a coach to help them learn what they need to learn. Because you don't know if you don't know. Like you just said, of course, I don't know what a sales cycle is because I'm not in sales. But someone could just try to think they read something and go interview. They're not going to know either. They don't have the luxury of the people who came through course careers or the people that's behind who's put it together that you can reach out to those instructors maybe and ask them in depth questions that sometimes you can't ask just on YouTube. Right. Like exactly. Sometimes you're paying for that access. Like you said, that discord. Exactly. That's, that's key. Like the network part is crazy. Anytime, like I said, now that like you, you're now in my network, but people who are my clients are now in my network. Your network is important. So, what is your, I know you're in like tech sales, but what is your, like, I guess, official title? Because I see you guys say like all these different acronyms sometimes, BDR and all these other things. I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. I just know I got to do something with sales. <laughs> so what's yeah. your official title? 
Yeah, so I'm uh, so BDR stands for business development representative, and basically, um, and SDR stands for sales development re- representative. They're used interchangeably, um, but yeah, basically, what I do is I'm I'm doing lead generation. Um, I'm doing cold calling, outreach, emailing, prospecting. I'm researching, you know, companies and researching um, people to see if they'll be a good fit for our um, what we what we have to offer. And then I'm actually calling these people or emailing them um, to see if, if I can get them to have a meeting with our account executives, which are the people who close the deal. So basically, that's that's basically what I do in a nutshell is just basically uh, trying to get them to um, get a meeting with our account executive um, so that they can actually close the deal and, and sign up with us. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I get some of those sometimes because I think sometimes people may think my title is what, what it is at work. That's like, I, I don't know what you, you want yeah. to Sometimes yeah. I can direct them to, to somebody if I think what they have is, is, is worth like the company's time maybe, but I say, I'm not the one that makes those decisions. If I was, I was like, it would be a lot of stuff would be changed here. Yeah. And you actually gave me a good rundown of like, uh, like what your job consists of. So are you remote or hybrid? So right now I'm fully remote. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm still like, I'm open to, to hybrid. I, I don't think I ever want to go to the office like five days a week again, but um, I think there is value in having a, a hybrid work model. Cool. So you've been there a year, pretty much. Yeah. How was it like your? How was it getting ingratiated with everything? Like your first ninety days, how was that? Man, it was great because like I was working with, like I said, I was working at Honda, um, the Honda Financial as customer service. That's way out in Irving which is on is you know it's kind of far away from me so driving an hour yeah you're in the boondocks yeah driving an hour <laughs> to to get there an hour to maybe an hour and a half to get home because of traffic um i was just like i was so done cuz i was just like i don't have no time to do anything you know on the weekdays just work 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 get ready for the next day um and so that that first 90 days was just amazing because it was like, man, I can sleep in a little bit more or I can actually take care of myself better and get up and go to the gym and work out, have a decent breakfast. I'm not like rushing cause I got to beat traffic. And so like, um, that, that on that side of it, that was really good. And then just actually getting incorporated with the company. Um, it was a good experience. Um, you know, obviously, you know, your first 90 days, it's not, you're not going to be hitting the ground running, but they're just trying to get you acclimated to everything. And you're learning the product, you're learning your, you know, what you're going to be doing, you're learning the people you're working with. And so, um, you know, it was a, it was really, really easy and a really gracious uh, transition. It's nice. That's nice. I was just thinking about, it's just crazy when you take a step back and when you think about like, who was I listening to? Somebody, I was listening to either somebody on YouTube or something. They were saying that very few people, have careers most people have jobs and I think that's true because what you described with Honda was a job mm-hmm. the company pays you not enough you come in every day five days a week and you're tired after work to even chase your dreams you don't even make enough to stay close enough to your actual workplace exactly a lot of companies do that I just remember 
I stay in Aubrey now. So I yeah. used to have to, right before I started working at J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs was trying to have me come down here like three days a week. I will say no. No way possible, bro. I have to wake up too early to get on 380 and get on the tollway, which is packed, to come down there. No, I'm not doing it. I'll go somewhere else. Because it's like, it, it was bad. Sometimes like, man, listen, I'm just going to, I need to eat, shower, and then get like go to sleep so I can wake up at like five or something like that so I can go to work. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, working from home definitely gives you that that work-life balance. Um, I would say like like for my role specifically, and it, it depends on the role you do as well because, you know, for my role specifically, you know, um, I wouldn't encourage anybody to, if you're trying to break in, to turn a role away just because, oh, it's not work from I home. I agree. Like, uh, you maybe you want to reconsider that because, you know, we are in a tough competitive job market right now. And um, plus you get that in-person training. You get to kind of, you know, get get that in-person training, get to feed off of people who've been doing it. And so that helps you better when you are ready to work from home and that opportunity comes again. Now you you know what you're doing, you know, and so um you know, but I like I do like working from home because of that. You know, the 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 hassle of trying to beat traffic every day, um, it's just it's it's a no for me. <laughs> yeah, I do agree though. I tell young people that are earlier into their career, I say now, you don't like you said, you don't want to just always say I'm trying to learn something remote because some of you don't have enough skills to compete with the other people that's looking for remote. But some of us don't want to go in the office either. So you can get a hybrid role based off people that don't want to come in the office. So don't discount it. Also, I'm not going to lie. I think it is fun going into the office a little bit. Yeah. If you got a nice, dope office. Like, I didn't like Goldman Sachs office. Like, I'm thinking the new building built out here, but the other place, not the, the building is in is nice. I think it's on what, Ross Ave or something like that? Yeah. The building it's in is nice, but how they're seated, it's like you don't have any privacy. Pretty much, these will be our seats, and we have we wouldn't even have a little thing from us just be our table, so we don't even have a divider. So it's kind of like yeah. no personal space. I don't like that. Yeah. Now yeah. J.P. Morgan was a little bit better. You had like sometimes you had like a big table where you got a divider, so you got your own space, their own space, and then you had a lot of conference rooms. It was like a big, you you know where it's at because you used yeah. to work in Plano, so it's like yeah. right there. Like so, it's pretty cool to have restaurants on there, Starbucks, a daycare for your kids. Now I will say a place like that is pretty cool because. We know people, hey, uh, no, I can't make it work. So nobody watch my kids. But you got X amount of days that you can bring your kid to the daycare for free up there. So yeah. they do do stuff around their employees and try to do diverse things. So that's that's pretty cool. I want to ask you this, too. And one of the things why I started this podcast, also bringing women on here like yourself, is diversity, exposure. How has that been in your environment, are you the only one? Is a couple of you? How is that? Yeah, so I would say in my current company that the ver- the diversity is pretty good. Um, there's I've seen other black women who are you know they're in sales positions. I've just seen other women in general there in sales positions. Um, and so you know, it, I would say one of my company is one of those companies where you know it's it's pretty diverse um, across the board. It's not like you know, dominated by dominated by one demographic of, of people, and everybody else is you know the same. So, um, I would say where I'm at right now, it is diverse. But I will say that that's obviously not the case with every company. There has been companies that I have interviewed with, and I just go in the office, and you know they invite me to like an in person interview, 
And I'm like, there's nobody here that looks like me. And even in an interview, there's like this energy where I'm just like, I feel like they're asking me certain questions just because of, you know, me being who I, you know, I'm a black woman. And so it's like, you know, I remember one company specifically, it was just like the interview was horrible. And I just kind of just felt like there is just some weird energy going on. Um, because, you know, I wasn't the, the white college guy graduate. And so some of their questions kind of indicated like, that's what we want. You know what I mean? We're not, we don't want, we want that. And so, you know, even though they didn't say that you can read between the lines and and kind of tell. And so, I mean, there is that, but you know, um, when you experience those things, um, you just got to really let it roll off your shoulder because I mean, do you really want to work for a company? That's, that's their attitude anyway. Um, and so, you know, I just let it roll off my shoulder and say, okay, whatever, you know, that's, that's their loss. I know, I know what value I bring and you just, you know, keep, keep going on uh, to the other opportunities. Definitely. You can, I've talked about that before. Just being in interviews, feeling like they just interviewed me, just say, or we interview like some black people. But yeah. Yeah. I felt like they had no intention of bringing me on. Right. I definitely know how that feels. And it sucks. I think, but it's life. But yeah. it's like one of the things I tell people is like, you're going to realize it's not a lot of you. Like I primarily have had more women on the show because I don't typically work with women specifically in cybersecurity. It's, it's yeah. not a lot of women in there. I don't think a, a lot of women choose them like type of careers. Right. Which they are. The funny thing is, you know, this about black women. Y'all already good at investigating. Y'all can find anything <laughs> on social media. Exactly. And I exactly. tell them all the time, come get on the blue team. And for the people who don't know what the blue team is, we are the defensive part of cybersecurity, especially in the SOC environment. We're the ones that respond to the incidents. And we investigate everything before if it either turns into a full-blown security incident or it's not. It's just a false positive. But they definitely can do all that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've definitely done a lot of investigating just, I bet. you know, <laughs> my personal life. Just uh-huh. let me let me find this out. Um, and so, yeah, you know, if you if you want to find some stuff out, uh, you know, leave it to leave it to a woman uh, to become the FBI agent for. I'm going to say FBI. If y'all watching, <laughs> y'all prom candidates are in the hood somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Matter of fact, they probably work at a call center or something. Oh, yeah. And they know how to find out everything on everybody or they know somebody and know somebody. That's what y'all need to be targeting. Because yeah. one of the things I talk about in cybersecurity and as well as why I bring it up is we talk about this all the time on teams, diversity. There could be blindness we have based on bias or based on how we grew up. So when you have a diverse yeah. team, you're able to not have as many gaps or process gaps or weaknesses that you would have. If you only hire the specific one type of individual like you were referring to with the other company. And that's why they probably yeah. trash anyway. Yeah, yeah, which I'm glad I didn't go to that company because literally, like, the next month or so, they were doing mass layoffs, and so I was like, I dodged a bullet. Um, So, yeah. Cool. So I want to ask you about being, like, a a BDR. Do you have, like, projects that you have to work on? Um, Sometimes. It depends. Uh, So I have my main role, which is, you know, obviously um getting qualified leads to my account executives um but sometimes we collaborate with marketing um because marketing may do a a campaign and they may get all these leads that come in from this marketing campaign and so they're like hey 
we don't know if we hit the mark with this. So we need some somebody or a few people to kind of go through these leads and see if they're qualified. Tell us, the, you know, give us feedback on the quality of the leads, you know, um, so that we can, you know, next time we do this marketing campaign, we have a better idea of um, who we're targeting or what we need to change um, to get to the the people that we actually want to target. So, so those are like the projects I, I work on as a BDR. Got it. Let me get my interview question bag real quick. Can you tell us about a time that you had to deal with something that was challenging and how did you overcome it? Um, Specifically when it comes to, I guess, your new role within this last year, has there anything been like challenging that you had to really kind of figure out? Yeah. So I would say my, my new role, um, you know, when you, when you transfer over to sales, um, you know, you deal with a lot of rejection and there's a lot of, there's a lot of psychology that goes into, to sales. And so, um, uh, overcoming a rejection or overcoming objections, you know, you got something valuable to give, give this company, but, they're like, uh, you know, they're coming up with basically these kind of excuses to not want to move forward with the sales process because that's just natural mm-hmm. human response, right? Anybody tries to sell you something, you're like, no, I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> and even even if you actually need it, you just don't. Salespeople just get a bad rep, right? And so our our natural response is to object and reject. And so um, learning how to overcome that because that's not something I I really dealt with in my past roles is ob- objections or rejections. Um, so that was a challenge for me in the beginning of my role. Like, okay, how do I get past these different objections? They're, they're bringing up competitors and I don't even know about these people. So just, how do I overcome this? How do I keep the conversation going to, you know, get them to move forward with, with um, actually giving us a chance. And so um, for me, the way I overcome it is just studying and also leaning on, um, my my coworkers, so reaching out to my account executives um, and saying, hey, you know, I had a client that's or a prospect that said X, Y and Z. And this is they said they don't want to move forward because X, Y and Z. Um, you know, what what should I say to this? How do I respond to, the, to this? And, you know, usually they'll hop on a call with me and they'll go over. Oh, you can respond to it this way. And if they say this, you can respond to it this way. And, and if they ask you this question and so really leaning on that um, collaboration to act to overcome those things um, so that, um, you know, I'll be able to, to move forward, you know, in those conversations. Okay. That's dope. I think everybody has challenges in, in the way we get through them. I know for me, technically being a business owner, I never really looked at it like somebody telling me, no, uh, I kind of really don't even sell when people even meet with me. I kind of just be honest with them and what you can expect and, you go with your move or you don't, you know, I yeah. think that's, that's probably why I don't know if I would ever be able to be somebody to me I should get into marketing just because of what I've been able to do my YouTube and everything else. But I don't know if I'll be able to do like sales consistently. Cause I don't know. I don't think I have that type of personality. But like this, I can sell you something that I believe in. Yeah. So if I work with a great product, like all of like some of the security products I use, and if I work for the company doing sales, I probably could sell that cause I use it as an analyst. And if I was on the sales side, I'd say, listen, I know your team's going to be able to use this because this is what it helped me do at a older company. And yeah. the metrics of what it helped us, how much money we helped save the company. If you kind of lay it out like that sometimes and they try to bring up a competitor, yeah, I know what they say this, but this is what we have that the competitor don't have. I think that's when you start getting your sales bag, when you know yeah. 
when it's a term that is probably used and I'm not a professional debater, but I'm pretty sure it's a term used to know what type of arguments will be used, presented against you. That's typically how I go to any debate, whether it's sports, life, men versus women, what you bring to the table type of stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm already ready for what you're going to bring to me. So I believe anyone who knows what the opposition is going to say, you can already have your counter ready and you can sound a little bit more confident. I think, I think that's how that works. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a big part of just being, just preparing for, you know, really sales is really preparing for what you believe the next person is going to say. Um, because, you know, I mean, obviously listening to their pain points and their problems and stuff like that, but also preparing for when they say this or when they say that um, and being able to navigate that conversation. So here's a good one. And I'm going to see what you're going to say. Like, so who or what has been the biggest influence on your work and your journey so far? Yeah. So I would say that, um, the, the person who's been the biggest influence on me is definitely my my career mentor, Antoine, which you, I'm sure you, you know, Antoine. Um, but yeah, you know, I used to, you know, um, watch a lot of his videos and I still do sometimes, you know, if he, you know, if I see he's posting. Um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely helped me a lot um, with being able to kind of just shift my mind about, you know, uh, get, getting rid of some, some toxic mindsets that has been, you know, just promoted it seems like two predominantly black people, um, which it, it, it irritates me and it annoys me when I, you know, see, see those things and people bashing nine to fives. So, oh, you know, you don't want to have a nine to five. You're going to be a slave to somebody else. Da, 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 da. It's like, you're already a slave. You're, you're in your twenties and you're 30 and you're broke. <laughs> so it's like, it doesn't really get much worse than that. Um, and so, yeah, you know, being able to get rid of that and realizing that, you know, having a having a good paying job is something to leverage to take you where you want to go. Um, and you shouldn't be ashamed about it and you shouldn't let people, you know, who don't have what you have and aren't going where you're going uh, talk you out of getting into a lucrative career that can set you and your family up for life. And so, um, yeah, you know, he's definitely he's definitely helped like impacted me in that way. And, and, and you know, I, I definitely you know, we'll say that he's probably the most influential person. Um, and also Cyrus, too, because Cyrus initially introduced me to uh, two course careers. Okay. Cool. Shout out to uh, Cyrus, aka the uh, Take Us the New Black. And you know my guy, Antoine Wade. Uh, actually, he commented on one of the in-person videos the other day. I said, yeah, now we got to get you down to Dallas so we can do our episode in person. I don't want yeah. us to be remote either. And what you said is important and it's like people like you find out as you start your career now and keep on starting the people you meet, you know, it ain't got to sound like a church segment, but we know everybody can't go with you to the mountaintop. They yeah. just can't. Those people that have those lack mindsets, mm-hmm. or someone telling you, think about it. You'll tell somebody, yeah, you know, I make $300,000. Like I kid you not. My last episode I did with my guy, Tavian, I sitting right over there. And this was, we weren't even including his money that he gets from other places. We were just talking about his job. And it was titled the 500K Security Engineer. And people was like, oh, that's cap. That's, I was like, just because you don't got the skills to make it don't mean <laughs> I don't know. I was like, what you think about my platform? I don't bring people on here. That's not who they say they are. And this right. person is also a friend of me. It's like, and But one of the things that's helped me always be able to expand my mind knowing I can get more is because I have friends like that that get compacts just like that or other friends that 
have like Lambos or stuff or have their own other companies. Yeah. That's how you expand your mind is you keep on expanding your network and just uh, being with different people. But if right. you, as you grow in your career and then you don't continue to grow your network, you may find yourself being complacent and you may find yourself being underpaid. Exactly. That's why it's good to have, and this is the other thing too, unfortunately in the black community. Since some people have jobs instead of careers, it's hard to talk about money with them. But it's good to have friends that do the similar things as you so you can have some honest conversations about money. So I have friends like, yeah, uh, Apple, you know, they offer me a base of 230 something like that. They offer me, uh, you know, $100,000, $150,000 sign-on bonus or right. so-and-so offered me $300,000 base or whatever. Like, this is stuff like, okay, I got that similar skill set. I can go find them somewhere. Right. But if you take a person... And this is also, this is no offense because I come from a blue collar background. I don't think my parents probably ever made maybe over a 50 K together a year. I think maybe, I don't know. So yeah. I come from that. So I always respect people's money too. So I don't waste their time, but you know, talking to my parents or mom or telling them, Hey, look, I know I just started here, but this company talking about this. Oh, well you need to show loyalty and wait. And I said that, no, you always take the money. That money not guaranteed to be here next year take the money always exactly yeah i don't i don't you know believe in the whole loyalty thing oh you gotta be loyal to the, I, I say this you know i did make a point to stay at, at least my first company at least the first year just get the solid year in with your first company just because it is a bad look when you're like three months here three months there you don't want to do that unless like i said if you get a significant pay raise then go ahead and do it but um, I did make it a point to try to stay stick it out with my first company um, at least one year and see um, if I can at least get a promotion under my belt. But, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, now with, with September is here, all these companies are reaching out to me. I'm like, listen, whoever the highest bidder is, <laughs> that's where I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. So, yeah, definitely. You know, like I said, I respect anybody who's a hard worker and you have good work ethic, but it's unfortunate that a lot of hard workers are working on things that aren't working for them. And so you got a lot of people who are like how I was, you know, I'm a hard worker. I do good work, but I'm working at a job that only want to pays me $20 an hour. And God forbid, if I ask for a pay raise, you know, it's like, no, like we don't, we don't do that, you know? Um, and so yeah, you know, like if you're a hard worker and you're going to be working anyway, because it ain't like you have a million dollars right now to start that business you want, mm -hmm. you might as well get into a good paying career. Right. Yeah. Not only that, stuff is expensive. And we talk about people starting businesses. A lot of them people should have worked somewhere before they started business because they don't have any type of management skills, no business acumen. They don't know how to do certain things. They still tell you, hey, DM me for the price. All type of stuff, <laughs> silly stuff. Yeah. Imagine you you telling somebody, like, y'all don't have your prices somewhere. Oh, yeah, just uh, email me for the price. No, they're going to figure out at least a um, base level what this is, the offering is right here, and then if it has to be customized, that's when you set up a meeting. Like, this stuff is it's, it's crazy. It's ghetto. It's just ghetto. <laughs> it's very ghetto. It is, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, I, 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 that's one of the reasons why I picked sales, because I'm like, sales is business you're learning how to run a business when you're selling people who get, you know, sales is hard. Like business is hard. So if you want to be an owner and you can't do any yeah. type of sales, you're not going to have a business. And so, um, 
you know, I think it's the perfect foundation for you to kind of leverage it. And then, okay, maybe you don't want to do sales or anything like that, but at least you have the money to pay other people to help you yeah. where you, uh, what you're not good at. Bingo, that part. And while you were talking, I thought about a question, and I'm trying to see if it comes back to me. I think I was about to ask you, do you think your transferable skills from doing customer service roles are helping you now in your, your current career? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, because when you're in customer service, you have to have a lot of, for one, you're uh, you're doing a lot of problem solving because people are calling you literally because they have a problem that they need your help with. Um, and then you're also, you have to exercise a lot of empathy. Um, and you have to be a good listener. And so, those all transfer good into sales um, and then a good communicator. So all, all those things, they transfer into sales. There's just a few things that are, you know, that are added on that you have to develop, you know, like actually, you know, being able to show the value of something, you know, and actually being able to um, amplify their pain points Right. So, you know, you're not just knowing their pain points now. Now you got to amplify them and, and show the value in your product and how their pain points in your product connect. So customer service is a good role to transfer into sales, but you, you're going to be adding on to what you already know. And so um, all of those empathy, communication, listening, problem solving are all good transfers, transferable skills that are uh, going to do well with with you being able to, to transfer into the sales space. Got it. So here's a question that's going to flip the script. Shout out to Queens Flip. Anyway, so I was, I was lurking the other day, but I did see your story the other day on IG. So I know you don't watch a lot of TV. However, I did have a question as far as what would be like your, your top three favorite movies? Top three favorite movies? Um, yeah, so one would be Kill Bill. Um, Gotta watch out for you. <laughs> I'd like I actually I really like um I just really like all of well most of Quentin Tarantino movies he's one of my favorite um, movie directors um the second would be Sweeney Todd um <laughs> it's one of my favorite musicals I know every song on Sweeney Todd and it's embarrassing um <laughs> and then I'm trying to think what will be my third one oh Boomerang it's just one of those 90 classics okay. that you know you, you just gotta just just enjoy and just kind of just I just like everything about it. It just it just kind of um, takes me back, even though I, I was still a baby back then. But I just like that movie. That just made me think about uh, Johnny Gill did. There you go for that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the music and and all that is what I get from what I watch the old stuff and listen to the old music is uh, definitely different. Being a former musician, I, I'm able to tell why people put in the work they had to because it wasn't as easy to create content back then. Yeah. It's much easier now. So that's why you've seen a little bit of the quality go down, but the, the shows or the movies franchises that stand the test of time is because they took their time to make something great. Like I was, for whatever reason I brought up last night with my girl, I was talking about, you know how interesting uh, a movie of John Q is? Like, nothing like John Q has been done since John Q. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. And that's, like, the, the cool part of, like, why I was just, like, like movies are, are different things. Like, I don't, for whatever reason, every like, when I'm talking to you right now, it's like, I wonder if she's going to, like, 
mentioned something like Wolf on Wall Street or whatever. Like they were selling like crazy on Wolf on Wall Street. Yeah, I like Wolf on Wall Street. It's not my one of my favorite movies, but I mean it's a good film. Um, you know, to watch. Uh, it's very um, Jordan Belfort, or how he says it, his accent, Jordan Belfort. <laughs> Um, he, he's a funny, he's a character. I, I, I watch some of his YouTube videos sometimes on sales and stuff. He's, he's definitely uh, a funny dude. Yeah. That's the other thing too. For me is like, also, like you said, we just get into other stuff, like what you want to listen to or different things. I listen to like a whole bunch of different stuff. Even when it comes to like podcasts, people be surprised. It's like, it comes from learning about how to get better at pod. And then I have my podcast I listen to. I may listen like to some current events. Uh, I may listen to some some stuff from different people like a Jordan Peterson or Thomas Sowell or um, I've the other day who was it? It was uh, Huey Newton and uh, I forgot the other guy. But it's like just different things that just yeah. I pull in to say let me put it out here like this. Yes, this is a, a tech career business focus money podcast but it's also going to be real and i'm going to do it in a way that my people resonate with it and that's yeah. been my goal and that's what i always strive to do every time i sit down here yeah absolutely definitely i think it's good to have a well-rounded um input and then for, for me personally it also depends on what i'm doing in that season yeah you know i'm like oh i'm gonna be doing this then my input is gonna be mainly focused on things that's feeding that so yeah um definitely Cool. So this is the other funny question I thought about asking you. How would your mom describe what you do for a living? How would she describe it? Oh, I don't know how she would describe it. I, I don't think she fully understands what I do. Um, I, I know she she understands that I do sales. Um, I don't think she understands what it entails and what exactly, you know, B2B and stuff. like. She, I don't think she understands that. She just knows that. I'm in tech and I sell stuff in tech. And <laughs> like, so, um, she, she, I think she has an understanding of it, but like, like most people who are in the industry, she just know I, I sell stuff. I, she probably thinks it's very techy. Cause, um, I think the last time I explained it to her, she was like, I don't know if I could do that. That's, I'm not a very technical person. I'm like, you don't, you don't have to be, it's, I don't, I'm not a technical person either. Um, and you don't you don't have to be, and so you know maybe she think it's more more complicated than it actually is, um, but I think she just thinks that you know I sell stuff in tech. That's probably how she would describe it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I got you. I got you on that one. Um, so now to move away some of the other tech topics, kind of get a little bit more back into Taylor. So, what type of content do you create? Yeah. So. Um, I create a lot of personal development content for women. Um, when I was doing life coaching, I was, my, my niche, uh, was toxic relationships and helping women to come out of toxic relationships. Um, you know, basically helping them to identify things within, you know, toxic relationships and also more so identify things within themselves that is maybe toxic and that they need to work on. Um, just based off my own experience as a woman who's who's been through that. Um, but, yeah, now, you know, I'm kind of shifting things where I'll still talk about personal development stuff, but I'm, like, burnt out on – I'm, like, for the next five years, I do not want to talk about toxic relationships. I just don't. And then everybody's talking about it now. So I'm just, like, I just don't 
feel like there needs to be another channel about toxic relationships. I just, I don't feel like it needs that. We need that right now. Um, and so, you know, um, I, I'd probably be switching up the content. I've been thinking about, you know, exactly which direction I wanted to go. Do I want to go just fully tech, you know, like, or do I want to have it kind of a more open, like, yeah, we could do personal development, but we also are going to talk about tech and finances and stuff like that. And so, um, it's definitely going to be some different content coming from me in the future. Uh, right now I'm just kind of figuring out which angle I want to go with it. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Like for me, when I started this out like three years ago, right when the pandemic happened, all you saw was everyone get StreamYard and webcams. And I got, that's what I was joking about earlier. Tell me some, what, what does the woman bring to the table? What does the man want? And all yeah. the nonsense of the, the copycats of the late great, you know, Kevin Samuels. And, you know, it's been a mess. But a lot yeah. of people are finding out, like, you need substance to last long in the channel. So a lot of those guys are burning out. They don't, they're one-trick ponies. They don't really have any good content. So it it doesn't matter. So that's one of the things, too, is, like, you can play to get the views or you can play the long game and just keep on getting better at the content. And you're going to yeah. find, you know, I'd rather have a 1,000 people that rock with me every month versus 200,000 people and only 50 people of those 200,000 rock with me. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the things I found even in my content creation, even though I, you know, I do have a genuine, um, a genuine, uh, uh, I guess, passion for it to help these women. Um, you know, I've actually went through training for it. I'm not, I didn't just hop online and was like, Oh guys, this is what I want to talk about. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, um, I think that we go through different stages in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so as you're going through your journey, sometimes what you started five years ago was like, I'm not even that person no more. That's not right. I don't even care for that anymore. Not not on that type of level. Um, and so um, for me personally, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in tech now. I don't. I'm not saying I don't care about toxic relationships anymore or women who are going through those things or the men who are going through it, but I'm, I don't think my voice is needed in that area anymore. Um, and, you know, now I, I kind of want to just shift things and really speak from a place where I'm actually at um, and using what I've learned in this season to help other people who may want to get into this space or, or, you know, whatever it is um, that I, I believe that, that, you know, my content would, be more beneficial for people right and that's why i said when we start off like there are going to be people that watch this that resonate just with what you said about your journey and they're probably going to like start reaching out to you about that too just because it's like oh man like you live my life i have people that that do that all the time and yeah that's why also i've been just talking to different people that's thinking about starting their youtubes or their pods or whatever i say you can bring guests on but do your solo episodes let your exactly. let your audience get to know who you are. Let them feel you. Every so often, remind the new people where you started from and, mm-hmm. or things you're going through. Like, those are the stories. It's just, it's just similar to why a lot of times, you, if you look at, like, churches, like, a lot of times the more popular preachers are the preachers that had a life before preaching. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it's interesting. They can tell you yeah. different things. You can't, if you've never been through anything, how are you going to tell me through it? And that's also one of the things that I think a lot of people ran into with, um, Life coaches. Yeah. You had people like, no offense to them, but the roommates, Hafiz and uh, whatever the guy name. Them dudes are like, I think they might be younger than me. So I was just like, you can't really coach these dudes 
on nothing. Maybe some young guys, but nobody yeah. else. You haven't been through enough. You're, you're too young. You don't have enough skin in the game. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's similar to when people try to. Well, you can share your journey with sometimes when you tech, but then if you try to come off as like you know too much, and I don't even try to come off that. Yeah, I've been in a decade, but it's still things I learned. Yeah. But if you don't have enough skin in the game, you can't really talk to a lot of different things. I've seen it a couple of times. Some people go live and I'm looking at the questions they're being asked in their chat and they can't answer it. Why they can't answer it? Because you haven't experienced it. You haven't did enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the better off to go as well. Um, and that's one of the things I, I felt too. Uh, you know, I'm like, you know, even though I've been through toxic relationship, I've been married, I've been divorced, I've gotten through the process. And so I can help people in that area. But at the same time, I'm like, there's still so much more I have to experience. And even with my clients, I was like, I can only take them here. This is where it stops because I, I can't take them any further than that because this is where I'm at. Right. So yeah. I, I want to take people further than this, but I got to first get further than that to be able to do it. And so that was another thing. I was like, I think I want to pivot, even though I, I still that's why I didn't hop into immediately career coaching people. You know, people break in and then the first thing they do is this is how I got into tech and uh, I'm going to do your resume. And I'm, I'm just like, no, I don't want to do that because I'm still learning mm -hmm. and I want to get a little bit more experience and learn this game a little bit more before I put myself in a position to, you know, not come off as an expert. Cause I, I don't think I will never call myself an expert, but to, you know, put myself in that position where of authority where I'm like, Hey, you know, I know exactly what I'm doing and I can help, you get here there and or there and so um you know my first year I just been focusing on developing myself first you know getting myself right first before I put myself in a position to try to help yeah. other people as you should as you should because I the unfortunate thing about this grimy game is like I said everybody should be compensated everybody should make money but it's just sometimes you know when it's a money play for people like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I get paid, but I, I more so get paid for my time. I don't really charge people what it should cost to work with me if I'm helping them or something. Yeah. So, but you can tell, like, tell everybody hey, if it, everything that glitters is in gold, like, just kind of be mindful and, and pay attention. Look at somebody's resume. Look at what they did. You know, that's what that's one of the biggest things I can tell you. Just, just look at that because it's, it's too much kind of fugazi stuff going on out here now. Yeah, definitely. And I just want everybody, like, I want everybody to come in, but I also want you to be able to come in and thrive. I don't want you to come in off a lie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's out there. I got to tell you right now, if you don't come in with an expectation, you know, because, you know, everybody sells, you know, this this tech is this cush life and you're just going to get here and kick your feet up and make your six figures. And it's like, no, um, you may eventually get to that point when you put in the, it, but it, there's upfront cost for that. So you have to put in some sweat equity. You need to master your skill set. Um, like my first year, like I said, in tech sales, one of the reasons why I'm not watching TV or why, I'm like, I'm studying, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn stuff. You know, I'm trying to better myself um, because I want to get to that position and I'm, I'm not in a rush to get to a six-figure position, but I do want to get there. I want to make sure I'm developed so that I can sustain being in that space. Um, and so, you know, don't get discouraged if your first offer is not six figures. It's okay. Uh, work your way up. Um, this, is a, this is one of the fastest career fields where you can get to six figures pretty fast. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of jobs I know where you can even get to six figures in six years. 
like in other industries, people are getting promoted so slow. And I'm like, I can't believe you like, for example, like my, my ex-husband, his father has been in the trucking industry for years, like probably like 20 plus years. He was just hitting six figures like five years ago. I'm like, no, nah. I'm like, I'm not waiting that long to get the six figures. Yeah, especially for a job like that, that's needed and a lot of stress on your body and yeah. relationships. No, you got to pay me for my time. Yeah. So, so, you know, tech is a space where you can get, you know, you can get there pretty fast, quicker than usual, but don't like let social media influencers uh, make you feel bad if you don't get that, you know, in your first year or so. Cool. So here I got like some uh, closing questions for you. First one would be, who would be like two or three people that you would recommend people who are interested in getting into tech sales or maybe even being like a sales engineer, who should they listen or, or watch when it, on, on social media so they could get a really good grasp of what that is? Hmm. There's not a whole lot of people that I watch because um, I don't trust everybody. <laughs> so I would say, okay, of course, you know, tuning in to you, um, cause you're one of the people that I, I've, I've had watched a few of your um, videos and I'm like, he's given pretty solid, pretty solid advice. Um, I would say definitely, um, Antoine, cause he's, he's one of the people who are like actually real, giving you the real spill on everything. He's not, uh, selling, selling a bunch of fluff. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, I think that's, it's that you, Antoine and, um, I would say also Cyrus, um, because he, he does, um, he has a lot of good guests on his show mm-hmm. that, um, it diversifies the pers- perspective. So it gives, um, cause I didn't know, like, I didn't know what like a scrum master was until he had, he recently had a good guest and I'm like, Oh, that's like, that sounds like a pretty dope role that, you know, maybe eventually I can transfer into if I get tired of, you know, doing sales. And so those are the main people I listen to right now as far as in the tech space. Um, and those are the main people I will probably encourage. There's probably better people out there who has better. I don't want to say better, but there's probably people out there who has other types of content as well. But I just I don't listen to everybody. Um, and so, yeah, nah, I, I fear you. I mean, honestly, outside of, like, I, do, I have friends in the tech industry like they got channels like I go through and support. But I really don't just even listen to them like that because I try to keep how I do things, how I do things and not be influenced yeah. by what they do. I typically. Yeah. People be surprised, like all the other stuff I actually get inspiration from. Like, as a matter of fact, last night I'm watching the R&B Money podcast with Tank and Jay Valentine, and I was like, "Yeah, Tank and Jay Valentine are me and my guy E, but in the music industry, because I don't really go after who has like a big following. I'll find if you do a dope job, some you do is dope, and bring you on. I know the episode will be good. Yeah, and that's what they did. They brought on what's the guy name? Jasper Big Love. I forgot his last name is, but uh. He worked with like Lloyd, Sierra, and some other people. And it was yeah. just like the stories he was talking about was like dope and like how they came up with like with Body Party and everything. It was like one of my favorite. Listen, y'all, one of my favorite <laughs> songs all time is Body Party. And it's 10 years old now. That's my jam right there. I might yeah. put it on in the car when I get in the car. No <laughs> lie. But no, that's that's, that's, that's kind of like what I do. Like I get inspiration from everything else because if, if I came in here and we just had an interview like you was interviewing for a job, People would not watch this show. No. It has to be entertaining. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I know one person was like, the other day, he was like, man, I'm trying to hear this. Like, get into the show. No, it's my show, bro. Wait until I get into the contest because I was breaking yeah. down 
what I had just did last week about going to the concert and stuff. I was like, no. But I will also ask you, if you had to leave the guests with three things on either bettering themselves or like trying to get in tech sales or trying to make a career pivot, what would be those three things that you would leave them with? Um, I would say to think about, um, think about what you want in the next five years. Um, you know, before you make, make the pivot or put an effort to make the pivot, um, ask, ask yourself about what you want to do in, in these next five years. Um, and are you in this for the long haul or you, do you think you're going to get in here and it's going to, you know, you're going to get your money and go. Cause, um, I think that's going to be something you want to think about. Um, because it's, it's definitely something that, you know, cause I'm not going to lie. When I first heard about it, that was my initial thought. Like, Oh, I get my tech money. Then I'm, then I dip and I'm like, no, actually this is more of a long game. Um, and then I would say to also, also think about your, your why, um, why you're, you know, why you're wanting to get into this industry, um, just because it's the thing that's going to keep you going, um, when things get hard, because at the end of the day, we are depending on other people to give us an opportunity. Sometimes that can get hard. Sometimes you got to play their game. Um, and in those moments, you know, you want to have something to fall back on and remember why you even started this journey in the first place. Um, and I will also say, don't make things hard on yourself than what it has to be like. I don't know, I, maybe it's me, but I definitely have have found myself in the habit of picking struggle. Like there was obviously an easier way to do things, but I'm just like, I don't know. It's just, I think we've been programmed to pick struggle when we don't have to. And so like, if there's an easier way to do something, like do it, like don't, don't try to, just because something is more struggly and harder to do, it doesn't mean, it, it doesn't really mean anything like um, so don't unnecessarily stress yourself or pick struggle when you don't have to. I think that's the three things I'll leave people with. Cool. And also I forgot to do this in the beginning. Where can our listeners and our watchers, where can they follow you at? What's your, your socials? Yeah. So you can follow me on, um, you can, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, um, just Taylor, Taylor Jones, I think it's Taylor Jones on there. And then I do have my, YouTube channel, which is Taylor Nicole. And then I have my, um, I have my Instagram as well, um, which is coach Taylor Nicole, but I would say probably do YouTube cause I'm probably going to be changing stuff on the Instagram soon. So, um, I would say LinkedIn and YouTube will be the best places to be able to connect with me. Yeah. And I was going to say also like she's famous. They make fake pages of her. So you're gonna follow I am her. Not, I am not famous by any means. You are. They made a fake page of you. You made it. They made one of me like a couple of months ago. So I was like, if you get a fake page made about you, you're, yeah, you're I, I guess that's your your stamp of approval. I of, think so. That's why I got to go ahead and just pay for the blue check mark so people know it's me. Yeah. Um, I was just. I thought about like I'm naturally like a silly person as much as I try to be serious on here. Yeah. And I thought about drumline when you're talking about the three things and you're talking about some like. Uh, it being an easy way and being uh, struggling. And I just thought about like, Hey, remember the last, uh, what's the last rule of the rule book? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah. stay ahead, stay ahead of the game. It's like, you don't read this rule book. Your head will be shaved. 
Yeah. But that's just a silly way of telling y'all, like, to really put the work in. Know what you're doing. Know what you're getting yourself into. Ask questions. Have coffee meetings. Do your own due diligence before you get into a role. Don't just chase a role because you think the salary is high. See if it fits your personality type. A lot of people do roles that do not fit their personality type, and that's one of the reasons why they have issues. But this has been another episode of The Textual Talk. Well, I'm your host, HD. We always keep it real. We always keep it 4K HD. And until next time, let's stay textual, and we out.